This morning's scripture passage is found in 2 Samuel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ananoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, every one with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. And he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites, and Jezreel, and Ephraim, and Benjamin, and all of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel. And he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Well, good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm not a uh, big fan of waiting. I don't like to wait around. It feels like we're wasting time. I just don't like to wait, period. You ever go to Disneyland? You ever show up and you, you get through the gates and you're, you're just full of anticipation, aren't you? And, and, and you come through and, and, and the streets are so clean and you run and, and it's, here we go. We're going to go hit Space Mountain, the great ride. And you show up and you get there and you wait in the long line. They give you all these promises that this will be the happiest time of life that you'll have as soon as you get on that ride and it'll be great. But you find yourself waiting. I don't like to wait. You ever been to Costco? (laughs) You know, every time I show up at Costco, I always think to myself, does anybody work? There's so many people there, like in the middle of the afternoon. And then I look at myself, I'm like, I'm here. But I I only work on Sundays, so it's all good. (laughs) But, you know, you get to Costco, you get to Costco, and and you get all these loads of stuff. You didn't realize you needed all these things, but apparently you do, and you you get them all up, and you push them to the front, and there's a long line, and you wait. And the promise from Costco is you're going to drop at least 200 bucks today. That's the promise. And after a hard day of shopping at Costco, say, honey, hey, I'm hungry. Let's go out to dinner. 
So we go over to Texas Roadhouse. You ever been to Texas Roadhouse? It's great. But guess what? As soon as you walk in the door, hello, sir. Hi, we'd love to have dinner. That'll be at least 45 minutes. Here's your buzzer. I hate those stupid buzzers. They scare the heck out of me every time they go off. Promise at Texas Roadhouse is you're going to get sick of peanuts before you get to dinner, you know? That's all you do. You're just eating the peanuts. You're so hungry. Everywhere we go, we wait. It's just a, it's a reality of life. It seems like no matter what, we're placed on the wait list. No matter what the season, no matter where we're at, we wait. We're waiting on a job or a promotion from our job. We're waiting to hear the results of our medical tests. We're waiting to be married. And then we find ourselves as husbands waiting for our wives. <laughs> All the time. Come on, honey. Really? We wait to receive the college acceptance letter. We're waiting to find out word on the loan about the house. We wait. And as we enter into the second chapter of, of 2 Samuel, we are going to find soon-to-be king, David, is waiting. And he's waiting during a season of big transition. It's not a, it's not a little change for him. He's in line to become the king. And he's wondering, what should he do next? What does this transition look like in his life? All of us go through transitions, don't we? What does this next season of life look like for us? What does it look like to wait? And I think one of the things, and what I hope we'll see in this section of Scripture, is that we learn from David how he holds on to the promises of God while he's in waiting how David is putting his trust in the Lord. And he's holding on to promises, not the, not the shallow promises of Disneyland that say, you'll be happy, but the promises of God that says, I'm going to transform your life. The promises of God that I am with you. The promises of God that I am your foundation, I am your source of life. The promises of God that I give you hope and a future, the promises of God that I love you right in the middle of your situation as you wait upon me. And David is learning in the middle of this transition of what it means to hold on to the promises of God. How to wait. God's promise is that he's conforming us into the image of his son, isn't he? And that's a process. And so we wait upon the Lord. But that waiting produces beautiful spiritual fruit in us. And it grows us up. And David's still growing up, just like you and I are. But he's waiting in the process. Here's what the word of the Lord says. And I want to show you a map as we read this. A friend of mine, Steve, just gave me this. Is that word? I want to be cool like Jackson. He always has this thing, and I finally got a, 
I finally got a little little deal here, a little light. So I'm going to learn to use it. Does that work? Right there. If you're sleeping, I'm on you. All right, let me read the word and then I'll show you where it's at. So as David's waiting, it says this. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go? And he said, Go up to Hebron. So David goes up to Hebron with his two wives. The scriptures say, So here is Hebron. This is the region of Judah. Hebron is right here. And so he's going to become anointed king in this area right here. The area to the north, all up in this region, is going to be... No? Am I wigging you out? Sorry. (laughs) We have seizures breaking out over this thing. All right. Jackson, someday I'll be as good as you on this sucker. I don't even know why the light's... Why is the light on? Thanks, Steve, for the gift. I'll learn how to use it. But that gives you pretty much the general idea of where he's at. (laughs) He's ruling in the land somewhere over there in Israel. All right. All these years, he's been chased by Saul. His life has been under pressure. He's hiding out in the caves. And he's going, Father, you know, what do you have for me? This is hard. And he's running, running, running. Finally, Saul is out. He's dead. He's taken out of the picture. And the thing that's so beautiful about David's life, as he learns to wait, David, David doesn't just come in and, oh, Saul is dead. So now I'm going to take over the crown. I'm going to own this thing. He stops. And in his waiting, he worships. And that's where I think David's life is very revealing of what God has for us. That while we wait, that we would worship him. The first thing he does is that he takes time to mourn Saul and Jonathan, right? And that actually is a public act of worship. They came together and he stopped all of the the movement of making him king. And so let's take time to mourn. We need to grieve. And so together as a community, they grieve the loss of Saul and his beloved friend, Jonathan. And he just stopped there. And he worshipped the Lord together. And God was present. And what the scriptures say in this chapter is that David inquired of the Lord. I've got this huge transition coming in my life. It's no little thing. And he stopped and he worshipped. He went to the Father in prayer. It reminds me of Jesus. Remember Jesus when he hung out in Galilee? I won't show you the map. He's in Galilee. Everybody wants to be with Jesus. People are pressing in on him. And what do we know of the life of Jesus? He would go to a quiet place. He'd find a little mountain area, a little cave somewhere. And he would enter in and he would talk with his father. And he would give glory to his father. 
And he wanted to live out his life so that the Father was glorified, so that God would be worshipped. And he worshipped in prayer his Father. Talk to him. That's what we see in David's life. As he waited, he went in a way in worshipful prayer. Lord, what do you got for my life? What do you got next? I need your help. I need to know what to do. We were in Taiwan a couple weeks ago, went with a beautiful team of 12. The whole trip, the whole, the whole trip was about waiting. Everything about it uh, required us to wait. 90% of the time, we had no idea what the heck we're doing. Literally, we would just show up. You know, it started with the waiting in the airport. You get to the airport, and you get on the plane, and then you go to your next location, and you get to LAX, and you got a three-and-a-half-hour layover. You're just waiting. And so, I don't know if you guys do this, but when I have a long layover, I just start to take laps, you know? So I'm taking laps around the airport just to keep moving, and I keep looking at the same bookshop, you know, as you come around, and, and I'm just moving. And I come by, part of our group is over in this one little section, as we're waiting, and I'm just like, this is a long wait. And I don't know if I told you, I don't like to wait. <laughs> it's a long wait, and, and not only am I waiting, but I'm not waiting for something good, I'm waiting for a 13 and a half hour flight. You know, so it's a double negative, right? So as I'm waiting, I walk by a small group, they're like right here, and this group over here, they're singing praises to God. I'm like, what are you doing? We're waiting to get on a 13 half hour flight. We're just singing our songs that we're going to sing in, in Taiwan. And, and I just thought, how beautiful is that? And so I just went and sat with them. I can't sing worth a darn, so I just enjoyed the beauty of their voices as we waited upon the Lord for what he was going to have for us in Taiwan, which we had no idea. The first week... You've got to understand this trip. I'm, I'm going to give you a little appetizer of this trip, and then I expect you guys to come to the, the vision meeting. But the first week of the trip, we sort of had planned out we were going to do English camp. The second week, we, we literally had no idea what we were going to do. And so everything, everything was readjusting. We, you know how you have plan A and plan B? We literally, and I, we literally ended up on plan T, that's no joke. We were in plan T. Everything changed every day as we just waited for what God had for us in Taiwan. And so, so we're sitting there. And finally, the second week, we figured out, oh, you're going to be hooked up with Pastor Sam. And Sam's going to take you to his church. You guys are going to go uh, lead church at his church. And we're all excited about it. We have a plan. And, oh, Lord, we're waiting upon you. And this is great. And so we're getting all prepared to do church. We get a phone call, and it's, it's Pastor Sam. And, and our host is talking to Pastor Sam. What happened? Are you okay? What hospital are you in? <laughs> Pastor Sam rides a scooter like 90% of Taiwan, and he got hammered by a car, ends up in emergency. And so that whole ministry with Pastor Sam, that wasn't going to happen, you know? And by the way, he's okay, he's okay. But so we're like, okay, Lord, we're waiting upon you for what's next. So there, there was this another, another pastor. His name is Pastor David. He's in the little city of Puli that we're in. 
And he was so excited. He said, oh! He wasn't happy that Sam was hurt, but he was excited that, hey, you guys can join me. And, and we'll go do ministry together. And so we're like, oh, great, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know. You know, we'll just show up. And, and it literally was like this. And so, so one day, again, every time we're, just, we're like, Lord, would you, would you just help us and whatever you have for today, help us to wait upon you. Uh, we don't know what's next. And so one evening, we're like, we're like, Pastor David, what are we doing tonight? Oh, I don't know. Well, let's just go visit people in the community. Well, what do you mean? Well, we'll just go knock on doors and, and say hello. Really? So we do this, and we go knock on this door, and there's, there's a guy in the community that, that he's had a relationship with a little bit, but he just said, hey, I wanted you to meet these Americans. And so they're beautiful hosts over there, right? So this, this family sets up an elaborate, an elaborate tea ceremony for us. He has this beautiful wood-carved table that's kind of a horseshoe shape, and it's, it's just beautiful. And so he starts doing the tea, and he has... He has probably seven different teapots. And then he has like the best of the best teas. And he kind of takes us from, from the, the worst to the best. But they're all good. And so the whole time, for, for two hours we're there. The whole time I'm looking for a bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're just tea, tea, tea. And that leads to, you know what. Okay, so he's, he's washing the pot. The, 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 I've never been through a ceremony like this. You know, washing the pots and... And he's talking about each pot and how valuable it is and how important it is and, and where it came from. And, I mean, just amazing. We had, the, we had the most delightful time. But the whole time I'm there, I'm like, what, you know, what are we doing? Lord, what do you got for us? And so this is what Pastor David did to me often and did to our group. So we're sitting there enjoying this, this wonderful time. And Pastor David comes over and he... He comes in, he would always kind of nudge me with his elbow or with his hand. He's like, hey, Rod. And I'm like, yeah, Pastor David. And he says this, go ahead and do your stuff. (laughs) I'm like, like, Pastor David, I don't have any stuff. What what stuff are we talking about? You know, just do your stuff. And so this is literally what I did. And this is what I think King David did. Lord, give me some stuff. <laughs> and I just prayed. I prayed silently while I'm sitting there at the table. I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't even know what, what, what do you want me to say to this guy, to his family? And so here's what the Lord gave me uh, as I quietly just prayed before the Lord, inquired of the Lord, what next, Father? I said, you know what? I go, I want to tell you why we're here. We're here in this community because we want you to know something. We want you to know that the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, that he radically loves you. And here's something that it says in the Bible about our God. It says that our God is the potter and that you are the clay and that he molds us, and that he puts us in place, and that he looks at his creation as so valuable. And I go, you need to know something. You are so valuable to God. 
You think those teapots you have are valuable? You are worth so much more. And I just wanted you to know that. That's my stuff. <laughs> and that's God's love for you. I inquired of the Lord. And at the moment, he met me and gave me his words for this family. And that's what David does. He's like, Lord, what do you have for me here? What do you have for me as I wait upon you? I don't know what's next. I don't know how to, to enter into this next phase. I don't know how to just go do, do visitation and just, you know, show up. What am I showing up with? How am I supposed to become king? What does it look like for me? David's crying out, right? I think one of the things we see in this passage is that while we wait, and we all do, that we worship the Lord. We inquire of the Lord in prayer and we draw near to Him and let Him minister to us that we would just stop. Be still and know that He is God. Let Him direct our steps. And then we see David as he's, as he's moving in obedience to the Lord. We see David that he's learning while he is waiting to hold on to the promises of God. To hold on to his truths about who he is. You see, you remember David? He's out in a field. A young boy. Some, they, they come out running after him. David, come on, there's a meeting going on. Comes out of tending the sheep. Shows up. He's like, hey, what's up? And then God speaks to Samuel, the prophet of God, and says, Samuel, this is the one. This is the one. Anoint him, he shall be king over Israel. And so, in this beautiful time with family, the spiritual ceremony, it wasn't a political ceremony, it was, it was before the God of the universe. He's going to be king. David didn't forget that. David didn't forget who God has made him to be. And he's starting to, to live his life as he waits, holding on the promises, God, you have life for me. God, you have purpose for my life. This is what you want for me, to become king over Israel. I don't understand how that's all going to play out. But I'm waiting upon you to put me into that place. And so he waits. And he's holding on to the promises. And David is obedient. And he's submissive to the Lord. And he turns over this, this direction to the Lord. Lord, okay, here it is. You know, you've got to think that, that David aspires to be king. It isn't like, oh, I don't want to do that. I think he really wants to. Doesn't know how totally, doesn't know when. But I think he wants to be used of God. Don't you want to be used of God? I do. And I think he has those desires, those yearnings. But he takes all that and I think he just submits it to the Lord. Lord, this is what I want. This is, I long for this position in my job. But here, it's unto you. I'm waiting. And I wait in your strength. And so he just turns it over and he's trusting him. You know, I think the thing for most of us, and this is where we struggle, we're like, Lord, tell me what to do here. And then we do this. Come on, Lord. Get with the program. Wasting daylight. Give me an answer. And we struggle, and we don't like to wait. And yet God seems to place us in all these areas where we just have to wait. 
We have to wait upon him just in daily life. We have to wait upon him in these great transitions of life. What do you have in these next steps that I'm taking? And David is trusting in his promises as God is preparing him, as God is growing him up. And the thing that's beautiful about our Lord, and he does this with us, is that he's encouraging David along the way. The scriptures are clear in this and about how he's, he's starting to give David glimpses of hope in who he's becoming and how he's surrounding him and how he's moving him in this direction. Remember the scriptures say this, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they were there, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. God's starting to reveal to David in the middle of the waiting and starting to fulfill his promises. Hey, David, I'm with you. I'm taking you there. Maybe not in the timing that you anticipated. And that's true for all of us, isn't it? Why is it that God's timing is always different from ours? Because he's God. And he's the one who gets to direct our lives. So David, here's my timing for you. But along the way, don't forget, I'm right there with you. Allow God to encourage your soul through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit coming upon you. Remember Jesus said, it's good that I leave because I leave with you the power, the, I leave with you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's with you always. He's there to, to encourage, to comfort, to bring strength to. And that's what's happening with David. David's waiting. He's like, I thought I was supposed to be king over all of Israel. Right now I'm not. I'm waiting. And so he says, Lord, shall I go up? And God says, yes, go up. Five times in these 11 verses, you see that. Go up, David. Go up. Take them and go up. Do you understand what that is? That's, that's this beautiful image of you are ascending the throne. It's time to go up. I'm, I'm starting to fulfill my promises to you. Go up. And so David, I think, his heart is being encouraged. He's still unclear how it's all going to work out because he's just going up to this area of Judah. Go up here, he says. God is working. And then, and then David starts to, to live out really the character of God. David is always a, a type of, of, of Christ. He reflects Christ. Jesus is called the, the son of David. He comes from that lineage, but David has, has always been, as David lives out his life, we see Christ in him. And David here starts to live out the heart of God, the heart of, of Jesus, and he starts to gather. As he's waiting upon the Lord and he's listening to the Lord, he starts to gather. And it's beautiful what starts to happen. He says, I want you to go to the place of Hebron, which I tried to show you on the map. That place means, Hebron means, that place to join together. Go to the place where your forefathers were. Abraham, go there, and, and that place, Hebron, the place of gathering, where you're joined together. I want you to go up there. And then he had his, his two wives with him, and, and I want you to see the author didn't, 
didn't just accidentally list his two wives. Usually you don't even really mention the wives. I mean, really. They're just kind of left out. It's not right or fair, but it's just the way it was. They aren't very often mentioned. But in this case, not only mentioned, but where they're from. And he takes his two wives to go up with him. Now, remember his two wives. So you have Abigail. Remember Abigail? Abigail is the one who, when David is furious at Nabal, the fool, because he won't give him food, he's about ready to nuke him. And Abigail runs out, steps in front, and says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, David. What you're doing would not be a good thing, and it especially wouldn't be a good thing for a man who's going to become king. She basically prophesied to David. She's right there by his side, that beautiful woman. Ahinoam, who's from Jezreel. Now, I want you to, to understand why he listed the names, I think, and, and where they're from. She's from Jezreel. Jezreel is, 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 is this fertile valley, the Jezreel Valley, so fertile. If, if you've been there to Israel, everything's lush and green. You go, we're in the middle of the desert, but this, this Jezreel Valley is incredible. It means sown of God that there's sowing, that there's harvest. Abigail from Carmel, which means, which means the, the vine of God or the vineyard of God. I think, I think the author includes that to say, God's encouraging you while you're waiting. Go up. You are going to have abundance. I am going to bless you. Sown of God and vineyard of God is with you. And go up and lead and gather your people. And it says very clearly in the Scripture, not only gather just the men, but what? All of the households. Do you see the image? It's like everything is coming together, and then they took residence in Hebron. It's like, ah, there's peace. There's gathering of the people. I'm creating unity. We're all drawing together. We're going to the place of drawn together, Hebron. And there we will rest in the Lord. I think God's ministering to his heart while he's waiting. What do you have for me to become king? And God does that with us along the way, doesn't he? While we wait. He touches our hearts in different ways. You know, when, when you're out of work, and you're looking at the checkbook, and you're going, Lord, um, I'm hoping you're seeing this checkbook because I don't have any idea how I'm paying the next bills. And yet the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to you the promises of God. And what does he say? He says, dear child, why do you worry? Look at the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. Don't you see how I clothe the lilies in beautiful splendor and how I feed the birds and how I take care of the least of those and they are, they are taken care of and covered? Don't you know, dear child of God, how much more valuable you are? Don't you know that you're my child and that I will take care of you? I know what your checkbook says. 
And then God, in his amazing ways, all of a sudden, there'll be a check under the door from some anonymous person. Or some friends will swing by with a dinner. Or some friends will provide some clothes for the kids. And he's just encouraging you along the journey while you wait for your next job. Who knows what he has in store for you. That's the way God works. We're all placed in times of waiting. We can't get away from it. Psalm 33 says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. And David waits as he, as he waits. He inquires of the Lord. As he waits, he worships the Lord. As he continues to wait for what it means to be king over all of Israel, he holds on to the promises of God. And as he listens to the Lord, he's ministering to him. And the next scene is really beautiful because you see the heart of God again. He offers reconciliation and relationship with Jabesh Gilead, sends guys down there and says, listen, because you have shown kindness to Saul, it's, it's basically, it's hesed, hesed love, the most beautiful, powerful love of God. Because you've shown this loyal love to Saul, you need to know I will show you that kindness. And so, get strong, be firm. Basically what he's saying is, I want to, and he's in the gathering mode, right? I want to gather you in. I want you to join me. And I offer, I offer this peace to you and this love. You've got to understand, Jabesh Gilead was, was protected by Saul when the Ammonites were attacking them. And so Saul came in and protected them. So they're loyal to Saul. And so not real fond of David. But David, as he waits upon the Lord, gets, I think, this voice from the Lord, go and extend that hand to them. And so he does. But you know what the reality of this is? They reject the offer. They reject the offer. He came with peace. He came with relationship. Does that sound like someone else in the Bible you know? And Jesus offered peace and hope and relationship and was rejected by many. David is a type of Christ. But David is still obedient to the Father just like Jesus was. I still will go and obey the Father even to the point of death on the cross. I've emptied myself so that life might be offered because he's the real king of kings. Jesus is. David waits and he listens and he responds to the Lord and yet he's rejected here and you've got to imagine the struggle now, right? Lord, I've been running for so long. Lord, I've been, I've been wanting to be king that you've had me to be. I'm trying to follow your will. I'm trying to be obedient. But what this passage says is it's another seven and a half years until he's king. Our waiting seems somewhat petty, doesn't it? David waits and he waits and he waits for God's direction in his life. And he's not forcing it. Lord, make me king over Israel now. 
I don't like to wait. But God's still growing them up, conforming them into the image of the Lord, transforming his life, helping them to become a good leader, a godly leader, helping them to have, like our whole passage of Samuel, a heart like God's. That's what God's doing in our waiting, isn't he? You guys know that. Some of God's greatest work with us is while we wait upon him. And when we don't force him, when we don't lay out this, Lord, you've got to get on my time schedule, all of a sudden he does amazing work and beautiful fruit is produced out of us in the image of Christ. And one of those things, by the way, is patience. Is patience. Kindness and gentleness. Self-control. God's growing us up. Even in obedience, dear saints, even in obedience, we are placed on the waiting list. It's just true of life. And that's the struggle. We're ready for the next transition. I've been running, I've been hiding, I'm struggling, Lord. I'm ready to move on to this next season of life. I want to be free from this struggle of having to, to face all this persecution. And I've got an enemy in the camp, Ishbosheth, that's starting to set up his kingdom. And I'm waiting for you. The thing is, where we start to do, where we start to develop our mindset is that we think, oh, this next stage, this next season, I call them, this incredible transition, as I step into this, that, that all of a sudden I'm going to be free from the struggle that I've been facing back here. In this new season of life, it's, going to be, it's just going to be rich and full and, and good as I go on into to taking on the kingship. Oh, I've been longing for that job promotion. I finally got it. Next thing you know, you're traveling 90% of your time. Your family's going, who are you? But I was trying to move into this next stage. It was supposed to be just great. And, and we're always thinking ahead, right? We're thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be good when all of a sudden I get my driver's license and, and I finally will have freedom. And then you start to realize... Wow, it costs money for gas and, and like insurance on the car. And, and where's all this freedom? I'm broke. And, you know, mom, dad, you know, this is your life. Single person thinks about married life and the couple without children thinks about what it would be like to have life with kids. And the couple with kids idealizes about what it's going to be like when the kids finally move out of the house. And, and apparently that never happens. You ever been over to the Kramer house? It's just full. It's like, grow up, kids. Get out of the house. And so the, what happens is, is we, we live for the future. We live for the future. Instead of saying, Lord, right now you have me in the season of waiting. You have me right here. And so I live in the power of of your strength, and in your love, I live today. I don't know what you have for me next. I'm not sure why you still have me waiting. But, Father, I will live today. I'm not going to think about what could be. I'm going to live for where you have me at right now. And while I'm in waiting, Father, I will lift it up to you. 
I will trust you. I will live out your life. I will glorify you. And here's the deal, dear saints. You've got to know this, and this is evident in the passage. When you surrender that to the Lord, when you're patient and you're waiting, when you're being obedient to Him, and when you're saying, I will follow you, guess what happens? And it happens in this text. Bam! The enemy gets set up. Right? All of a sudden, Abner, who really represents the enemy, what does it say of Abner? It says, Abner took Ishbosheth and made him king. That's such the enemy, right? That's the Satan. He's a taker. Abner took and made him king. David said, Lord, whenever you're ready to make me king, I'm waiting. But as you follow in obedience and you're trusting God for the next step, you've got to be prepared like David was. There will be battle. How did David respond to Ishbosheth being set up as king? David's a mighty warrior. I think he could have gone out and just destroyed this guy. What do we see of David? Nothing. Nothing in this text. He just waits. God, what do you have for me? He doesn't immediately, as soon as he's starting to set up camp, go out and destroy him. He waits to hear from God. And for this moment, he does nothing. Expect the battle as we wait upon the Lord. The enemy is going to try to discourage you as you're trusting him. No, this isn't really where God wants you to head. No, this isn't going to work out. You need to arrange it yourself. Arrange your life. Take control. Because God's ways and his timing are just way off. The enemy stirs. David waits. And as he waits for his kingdom to be over all of Israel, he goes to the Lord in prayer, worship. He holds on to the promises of God. He knows that there's going to be a battle, an enemy who's against him. And he just trusts God for where he's at today. I will be content in your promises, God, for today. Because I know you have my life today. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we struggle with waiting upon you. We confess to you we don't like it. And we don't get it oftentimes. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that your powerful Holy Spirit would pour out upon these dear saints, that you would minister to their hearts, that as they wait upon you, that you would encourage their souls, that you would lift them up, that you would help them to hold on to your promises, remind them of how much you love them, and that you're with them in their pain, you're with them in the, in the journey of waiting. I thank you, Father, that you're a God who waits patiently upon us as we fail, upon us as we kick against you. You wait, and you're full of grace. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father, and we truly do desire to wait upon you. In your precious name, amen.